Greetings to the PATH family. Our slogan at the PATH is meeting you where you are. We invite you to follow, share, and check us out on social media. You may connect with us at any time, anywhere. On Facebook at The PATH Church or Instagram and Twitter at Join the PATH. Without further delay, enjoy this week's sermon. Man, all right. Well, I am excited to get into the scriptures today. We're going to do some Bible study today, so uh, make sure you get ready to take some notes and uh, take some screenshots, go back over it. Uh, But I have a question for us as we get started today. So I really need y'all to go ahead and and log in because, you know, we just just got done with Halloween or, you know, I should have asked this question. I know Christians, some Christians don't do that. Halloween. But I want to ask you, since we went to the slide, scariest movie character for you. Scare, and you can rank them. So I want you to go ahead and rank them one through five. Most scary to least scary. Um, mine, Freddy Krueger jumped out there, and that was mine as well. I think he's just so ugly. So ugly that uh, for me, yeah, I, I didn't want nothing to do with Freddie. But what I should have asked was, when you grew, if you grew up in the church, what was your Halloween name for the event? Because I know it can't be Halloween. That's it could be Holyween, you know, but it can't be Halloween, even though we're doing the same exact thing. I should have asked that. That would have. I would have. What other names? Do y'all remember any other names? Of course, the fall festival, harvest, trunk or treats. Yeah, hallelujah night. Yeah, that's right. That's right. How? How? Hallelujah night. <laughs> now. Halloween's always special in this church because our brother Chase was born on Halloween. And so um, on October 31st, on the day of Fall Festival, on the day of Halloween, whatever it was, he was born on that day. We celebrate you, Chase. All right, let's see what we got here. Yep, that was about right. Candyman. Had to put a brother up there now. Yeah, I, knew, I know what you were thinking. I know what you were thinking. Chucky, just a little doll, you know, it just... Just a little doll. It ain't nothing, nothing, nothing too serious. <laughs> today, you see, I'm going to bring this right in. I'm a, today, we're going to talk about one of the scariest dudes in the Bible. You like that one? <laughs> you know, pastors can do that with anything, just so you know. Uh, Saul of Tarsus, a.k.a. Paul. That's who we're going to talk about today. And we're going to go ahead and jump in the scriptures, and we're going to hear and read about his conversion, starting in Acts chapter 9, starting in verse 1, okay? Let's go ahead and read this together. Meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. I told you he was a scary dude. I wasn't just lying. Like, he was for real going after Christians, so... He went to the high priest. He requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus, asking for their cooperation in the arrest of any followers of the way that he found there. And so this is like 
systemic persecution, right? I mean, he's, he's creating a whole plan uh, to get any followers of the way. That's kind of where our name as a church comes from, the path, the way, Jesus is the way. Uh, and that's one of the names that the believers, the disciples had in the first century, the way. He wanted to bring them both, men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. As he was approaching Damascus on his mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. Little side note there, God likes to do that. Go, once you get there, I'll tell you the next step. Too often we want the whole plan. In the Bible, he just doesn't work like that. I mean, he just doesn't. Go, from then on, I'll tell you what to do. I think he wants to test our submission and our faith, right? Verse 7, the men with with Saul stood speechless, for they heard the sound of someone's voice, but they saw no one. Saul picked himself up off the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he was blind. So his companions led him by the hand to Damascus. He remained there blind for three days and did not eat or drink. Now, there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias, probably one of the people that Saul was going to go get. The Lord spoke to him in a vision, calling Ananias. Yes, Lord, he replied. The Lord said, go over to Straight Street, to the house of Judas and them. When you get there, ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He is praying to me right now as we speak. I have shown him a vision of a man named Ananias coming in and laying hands on him so he can see again. That helps me, by the way, in sharing my faith in, in like wanting to reach out to people, knowing that there's people that are praying for us to find them, right? For God to find them. Like we're somebody's answered prayer. That, that helps me in my evangelism, right? Verse 13, but Lord, exclaimed Ananias. He started out with, yes, Lord. Now he's like, but Lord, hold on. Can anybody relate to that? (laughs) I've heard many people talk about the terrible things this man has done to the believers in Jerusalem. And he is authorized by the leading priest to arrest everyone who calls upon your name. But the Lord said, go, for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to kings, as well as to the people of Israel. And I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. See, we can say, but Lord, all we want. But oftentimes he's going to have something to say as well. That's part of a relationship. He wants us to be open, but he wants us to listen to him when he gets open, when he has a plan. So Ananias went and found Saul. He went and found Saul. Some of us, you know, this... 
this message of, well, just live your life in such a way that it's the only, it's, it's the Bible that most people will read or whatever. That's good. And there's many times where we're called to go and find, to go and seek, right? That it's something that's intentional. He laid his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road, has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Instantly, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he regained his sight. Then he got up and was baptized. Afterward, he ate some food and regained his strength. You know, as we read through this story, my hope for all of us is that we can see ourselves in this story somehow, some way. And in, 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 in one of the characters, right, and at, at least one of the characters, you know, maybe we, we are like Saul. Maybe we are totally opposed to Christianity. And, you know, that's hard to find in the South. A little bit more easier to find in Atlanta, a more liberal-leaning city, right? So you may be able to find that. Um, and, you know, there are a lot of people that move into the South now from different parts of the country or the world. So there may be people who are just opposed to Christianity. Or maybe you could connect with Saul about the fact that he was blind. And maybe we feel spiritually blind lost, in need of help. Maybe you can relate to his companions. This happens often, right, where your, your friend, your spouse, partner, cousin, auntie has seen the light, and you're trying to figure out what this means for you and your relationship with that person and maybe even your relationship with God because you're like, whoa, you're doing what? You getting baptized? You, we ain't doing this no more. We're not doing that no more. Hold on, you're changing. How do I deal with that? Maybe you're in that position or have been in that position before. And that's not just for a conversion. That can be for things like going on a church plant, right? Wait, what are you doing? Like when somebody just steps out in faith, it affects the people around them. You know, and, uh, and it could lead to calling us higher and inspired, or it can lead to other things. He has some good friends, though. They led him, Saul's companions led him to where he needed to be. Maybe you can see yourself in Ananias. Maybe Jesus is interrupting your life because he has someone for you to help. Maybe you're a little hesitant because the person is different or has a certain reputation. Maybe the person is your enemy. Someone who has hurt you, right? Someone who has caused you pain or your family or your friends or intends to do so. And if you can't see yourself in this story, I think what's most important is that we're able to see God. That we're able to see his love, that we're able to see his patience, the way he meets us where we are and guides us to where we need to be and where he wants us to be. The way he sees the good and the worst people. Hopefully, we can see God. So let's talk about Saul here. He was a scary fellow, like I said before. He was lost as can be, but going full speed ahead. 
he needed an encounter with Jesus. When we feel spiritually blind, lost, in need of help, what we need is an encounter with Jesus. I love that we're at church. I love that. I love the fact that you're here, that you, you love this community, or at least you're open to liking this community of believers, you know, giving it a shot. I'm honored that you would open your heart, right, to, to, to us and um, but, you know, this church is uh, specifically like a Sunday service is simply an opportunity for us to have an encounter with Jesus now and later, right? We can have one now in our, in our seats as we fellowship with somebody. We see Christ in other people. It's an opportunity for that. The reason I say this is because quite often you may talk to somebody about and ask a question like, how are you doing your relationship with God? And what you'll get back is, yeah, I go to church. You know, and that's a good thing. But what's most important is having an encounter with Jesus. What is our relationship like? And so beyond this, let's spend time with God. Let's get into our scriptures. Let's pray. Let's worship, right, on our own. Like, let's be with God. There's nothing like being, just being in his presence and giving him our undivided attention, right? You know, the members of this church, we're, we're, we're just a bunch of people like Ananias. Here to help. Oftentimes eager, sometimes hesitant. But we're here to help. We just want to help do our part so that you can build a healthy and vibrant relationship with God. Um, and for some of you, that means that, you know, we want to help you get right with God. We want to help you to get saved, what does it mean to be saved? When do we get saved? When do we cross over from darkness to light? At what point do our sins get forgiven? What did these early Christians believe? And what did they actually do? And what did they teach? We're going to explore that right now. Now, I don't have time to have a comprehensive Bible study on salvation. So I encourage you, if this is something that you're interested in and, and want to grow in and want to learn more about, um, study it out. Spend some time in your mission group. Spend some time, maybe some of you are, you know, taking part of the journey series where you're getting with, uh, you know, two or three people and you're getting into the scriptures, talking about your life, wanting to grow in your relationship with God. Like, let's, you know, let's, let's take some time to, to talk about this this week um, with whoever those Ananiases are that are, that are in your life. So um, I don't have time for a full baptism study, but I will say this. Did you notice that Jesus did not forgive Saul's sin in the moment, like we see him do so often in the Gospels. When Jesus walked this earth, when he began his ministry, boom, your sins are forgiven. You're healed and your sins are forgiven. Boom, go and sin no more. Your sins are forgiven. Your faith has, right? We see him doing that. So then the question becomes, well, what is the plan once he ascended? Right? 
And so that's, that's, that's the type of question that we have to ask ourselves. And we can learn a lot from Saul's salvation story. It's actually shared three times in the book of Acts. Um, and then he goes on to do the same thing that he did, his process of salvation. He goes on to do that with other people, and he teaches that in all of the letters that he writes in the scriptures, right? You, you would think that you would teach what you went through, right? You wouldn't teach something separate, right? Um, and what was taught to you, right? And so you can see that. Um, let's look at another account of one of his salvation stories over in Acts chapter 22. Acts 22 verse 11. He's telling his own story now. He says, I was blinded by the intense light and had to be led by the hand to Damascus by my companions. A man named Ananias lived there. He was a godly man, deeply devoted to the law and well regarded by all Jews of Damascus. He came and stood beside me and said, Brother Saul, regain your sight. At that very moment, I could see him. Then he told me, the God of our ancestors has chosen you to know his will and to see the righteous one and hear him speak. For you are to be his witness, telling everyone what you have seen and heard. What are you waiting for? Get up and be baptized. Have your sins washed away by calling on the name of the Lord. You know, I believe that what Ananias told Saul here really applies to every single person that God calls to become a disciple of Jesus. God has chosen you to know his will. He's chosen you to be able to see Jesus, the righteous one, and hear him speak. Where, where are we able to do it? We have the scriptures. They didn't have the New Testament at this moment. They were telling the stories of Jesus. That's what became the New Testament for us, right? And so, but you have been chosen, all of us have been chosen to see him through the scriptures, to hear him speak. And we are all called to be his witness, to tell everyone about what we have seen and heard. But what have we seen and heard? We're supposed to be telling people about our own encounter with Jesus. And then he goes on to say, what are you waiting for? Any Christian is going to want somebody who's not saved yet to become a Christian as soon as possible. I mean, if you believe that if you have not been saved, and what is salvation? Forgiven of your sin. What are you being saved from? The eternal impact of our sins, which is being separated from God, being in hell forever, right? We're being saved from that. I don't know about you, but I don't want anybody to stay in their sin longer than they need to. And so it's not a pressure thing if somebody's, encouraging you or even challenging you, get right with God. What are you waiting for? It's a, man, if this is, like, this is like life or death for eternity here, and none of us know how much time we have on this earth. Sins washed away. What are you washed with? Water. Baptism. Get up, be baptized, wash your sins away calling on the name of the Lord. You may ask yourself why when we baptize people, we say, what is your good confession? Jesus is Lord, calling on the name of the Lord. Okay, so um, this is one of 
uh, the, the stories that we learn. So uh, I also love to be able to share with us, like, I, I think sometimes, you know, we can get into our own lingo and, and, and uh, just say things or, with, without really explaining, especially to our guests as they come into the church. And so when I say the Journey Series, what we do, we help anybody that comes through those doors, anybody we connect with at our jobs, our neighborhoods, who wants to grow in their relationship with God, who wants to be part of our community, we take them through a series we call the Journey Series. And sometimes we do it as a church, but most of the time it's very organic, right? It's like, when are you available? We'll get together. We'll have some food. We'll talk about uh, how you're doing. I'll share about my life, my journey, and there's some foundational Bible studies on some very fundamental things, right? Such as the Word of God, like making the Bible our standard, the crucifixion. Like those are the things we don't want anybody to miss because especially in the South, many of us go to church but we never really dig deep into our faith to understand the Bible. One, are we even reading our Bibles? And two, I never studied out the crucifixion before somebody helped study it out with me. Like, I just didn't do that. And so we want everybody to understand the crucifixion. We talk about salvation. We talk about sin. We talk about repentance. We talk about these things. because We want everybody to have the fundamentals that were, and, and build a foundation wherever they go wherever we go, we won't be, may not be at the path forever. We want you to have a foundation that you can build on for the rest of your life and you can teach others as well. And so those are the benefits. Like it can help those who want to become disciples. This journey series can help those who want to be restored back to Jesus. Um, and uh, it, can, it can help uh, you understand like what we believe and teach as a church. If you're just moving in or something like that, trying us out as, and you're already a believer, it can help be a tool to train you um, to do those, that journey series and that group Bible studies and be competent and confident in helping other people become disciples. So that journey series for us is a, is a lot of training that happens through that. So we have our baptism Sunday coming up. Yes, we have our baptism Sunday coming up. Uh, and so we want you to sign up if you're interested. Maybe you don't even know if if you've made a decision yet, you want to do it, or even if you're interested in baptism, we want you to sign up. Uh, There's a QR code on there. You can take it now. You can screenshot it on your phone. Go ahead and sign up if you're interested in growing in your relationship uh, with God and being able to discuss what it would mean for you to get baptized. If you sign up for this, what we're going to do is we're going to reach out to you and we're going to say, Let's get some time to get to know each other, to hear each other's spiritual journey, and let's go through this journey series together to help you get prepared for December 3rd. If you want to get baptized before then, yes, that would be awesome. If you want to get baptized after that, that would be fine too. <laughs> right? But we want to uh, take an opportunity to um, let everybody get a chance to communicate if they want to if they're thinking about that next step in their faith. And also to be able to celebrate those of you who have been uh, baptized already this year. We want to celebrate you. Yes, we're going to get you some some, uh, baptism certificates. We're going to encourage you. So bring your friends and family if you've been baptized this year to that event. All right, some of you may be wondering, you're like, well, I don't know if I should get baptized or not. Maybe we're wondering, I don't know if I'm ready to be baptized. The question is not whether or not you're ready to be baptized. The question is, are you ready to make Jesus Lord of your life? 
Okay? That's the question. Are you ready to repent, give up everything, surrender your life to Jesus? If you're ready to do that, that means you're ready to be baptized. It's not about how much you know. It's not about how good you are. It's not about how many times you read your Bible this past week. It's not about whether or not you have sin that you're still struggling with. It's about whether or not you want to let go of the world and turn to God. That's what this initial repentance that is talked about in the scriptures is all about. All right, if you're ready to do that, then you're ready. If you're ready to do that today, then you're ready to get baptized. You don't have to finish a set of Bible studies, a journey series, get to the end, and now I'm ready. That's, that, it's a tool. Those, 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 we have a lot of tools, right, to help you grow in your relationship with God. Some of you may be wondering, well, I've been baptized already. Should I be baptized again? Let's look at a scripture, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 4. For there is one body and one spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and in all and living through all. Okay, some of us may have been baptized as children, maybe fully immersed in the waters of baptism. If you grew up Catholic or uh, uh, a branch of Catholicism, maybe you were sprinkled right? Um, there's no examples of that, of children being baptized in the Bible. There's no examples of that, okay? Of babies being baptized, there, there's just no example of that. Now, for me, I don't believe that a child dies, and if they haven't been baptized, they're going to hell, I don't believe that. You know why? Because Jesus says we got to become like children. He doesn't tell us become like adults. He said adults become like children. Right? And so now there is an age, a point in all of our lives, where we start understanding sin. We start understanding what we're getting ourselves into. Right? And making decisions. And we start understanding the sacrifice that it takes to actually become a disciple of Jesus. At that point... I don't have a date. I don't have an age. I don't have that for you. Kids evolve and mature at different spaces and time at different points in their lives. I don't know if we can be that dogmatic. Some people do. Some people say that. I can't say that, right? Um, But one thing I do know is that I've never met a child atheist. Another thing I know is that most children, when they see a baptism, they say, I want to do that too. There's something that God put in children's hearts. I, see, I think that they see that. And they're like, I want that. Most children are not like, no, I don't want that. No, mommy, dad, I don't. No, they're like, well, that's amazing. I want to do that too. And so for me, even as a parent, I'm like, I've had to tell my kids that like, okay, let's talk about what that means and we'll study that out. And when you get to a point where you're maturing and under, able to understand the sacrifice. Listen, following Jesus is a, is a very much an adult decision. I mean, the stuff you gotta you gotta the stuff you gotta decide to do. I mean, we can have a childlike faith even when we're children. There's people that have been baptized at a younger age and they stay faithful for the rest of their lives. I'm not here to judge, but I know what I believe and what I teach. Some questions to ask yourself if you are there, because some of you may have been baptized as an adult. 
right? And you're like, should I get baptized again? Okay, so here's some questions. Number one, first of all, pray, search the scriptures. That's the most important thing. Spend time with God and ask yourself things like, what was my motivation to get baptized? Why? Why did I get baptized, right? Because um, it is about the heart. God does care about the motivation. Did I understand what it meant to make Jesus Lord? Did I understand that? Um, did I have, I just, um, Jesus makes it very clear. It's not hard to understand. Um, if you're in the Bible, you can look at a few scriptures, Luke 9, 23. You can look at Luke 14, 25 through 33, where Jesus makes things very, very clear as to what it means for those who say they want to follow him, right? Um, what did I repent of? Like, what did I turn away from? If, if this initial repentance, when we turn away from the world and turn towards God, like, what did I leave behind? How did my life change moving forward? Okay. Um, and lastly, did I have the faith that I was being saved? Okay, and I, I put Colossians 2.12 there for a reason. I want you to screenshot this if this is something you're, you're working through, but I want to also read the scripture, right? Colossians 2.12, for you were buried with Christ when you were baptized, and with him you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. This is saving faith. Faith, faith saves you, right? Not works, right? Faith saved. This is saving faith. Just because we say faith saves you doesn't mean there isn't a work to be done, right? Show me faith without deeds is. Okay, so it's not an either or. It's the, but it is clear that we have to be trusting in the power of God when we're being baptized because what we're doing is participating in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. That's what's happening at baptism. And because we know that God was able to raise Jesus from the dead, then we also know that he'll raise us from the dead. That spirit, when we go under the, in that water, you're dying. Jaden, you're about to die. You're being buried. That's why we fully immerse. You're being buried. When someone dies, you don't sprinkle a little dirt on them. You take them all the way under, right? You, you may, or in the tomb, right? Not throwing shade at any, I'm going to talk about it in a second, but there's a, stuff makes sense when you study it out, right? Um, and so, did you believe that something special, miraculous was happening in the waters of baptism? Okay, if you, if you don't believe this, if you don't believe that this is the moment when your sins are forgiven, you go from darkness to light, right? Um, go from being apart from God to being with God in Christ, um, into his, baptized into his church. If you don't believe that, then don't get baptized because you'll just be getting wet, okay? If you don't believe that, don't, don't get baptized, okay? Um, if you didn't believe that when you got baptized, then you may have just gotten wet, you know? You may have. I, now, I encourage you, if, if you didn't believe that, to, I encourage you to get baptized again for the first time. One baptism is one true baptism 
with a trusting faith, believing in the power of God? This is the question we have to ask ourselves, and this is what we have to do. We have to differentiate between tradition, superstition, and God's plan of salvation. We need discernment. We need wisdom. We need the Holy Spirit. Um, I say that only because Jesus says that in Mark 7. Okay, Mark 7 it talks about how the Jews had just got to the place where we're, they were putting tradition above God's word. That's something that we do as people. It's, and it's not one denomination or another. People, we do that. Okay, and because our parents or our grandparents or whoever we love and trust may have taught us something, right? But we have to go back and be Bereans and study this out for ourselves. Now, I want to make it clear what this does not mean is that your experience was not meaningful. On the contrary, it's part of your spiritual journey that God uses for your good to get you to this place in your journey, maybe. God uses all, I mean, all of that and even the bad, right? Even the negative like experiences we had in church or with Christians. Maybe, we're, maybe that's what we needed to be like, oh, I don't want to be like that, right? God uses it all for our good, okay? So I want to make sure, and I never want to demean or, or disrespect any religious background because it's, religion is, 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 is already something very meaningful to us. It has to do with our souls, with our spirit, with our essence, right? And so we never want to, you know, take that lightly or be disrespectful in any way. Um, we wouldn't be who we are today if it wasn't for the prayers and the seeds that were planted by those who God put in our lives as children. From the beginning, God has been working on us. Uh, parents, grandparents, like I said, maybe siblings, churches, um, maybe specific spiritual leaders uh, in your life, uh, uh, Christian schools, even Catholic schools, right? And they'll teach you about Jesus, uh, vacation Bible school, after school programs, like God uses all of it. And we don't ever um, want to minimize that. Let's validate that. Let's validate those experiences. Let's thank God for them. And let's be slow to judge others. Why don't we just start by focusing on our own hearts and our own journey before we start <laughs> telling everybody else why they may be wrong. Okay. Let's focus on us. And maybe there will be an opportunity later on to be able to help those we love to grow in their faith. Because sometimes, sometimes the stuff that we were taught isn't wrong necessarily. Sometimes it's just incomplete. Apollos, there's, it's just incomplete. It just need to be added, a little added something. You're, you got this, you're just missing this. Man, let God, instead of saying, oh, I'm, I'm good, listen, be open to God, be humble, be submissive. Say, okay, what, what else do I need? God, I want to keep growing. I want to keep adding, okay? Um, now, if you have been baptized according to the scriptures, you don't have to get baptized again. Okay? There's only one true baptism. But my question for you is, who else are you helping to become a disciple and get baptized? Because that's what Saul focused on as soon as he came up out the waters. He was adamant about paying it forward. Acts chapter 9, verse 19. Let's go back to Acts 9 here. It says, Saul stayed with the believers of Damascus for a few days, and immediately, immediately he began preaching about Jesus in the synagogues. 
saying he is indeed the son of God. Immediately, there was no excuses about, well, I don't know enough. I'm too young, I'm too old. I'm... Immediately, say everybody got to know about this. He was convinced. When we're convinced, we're going to let others know. All who heard him were amazed. Isn't this the same man who caused such devastation among Jesus' followers in Jerusalem? They asked, and didn't he come here to arrest them and take them in chains to the leading priests? Saul's preaching became more and more powerful, and the Jews in Damascus couldn't refute his proofs that Jesus was indeed the Messiah. After a while, some of the Jews plotted together to kill him. They were watching for him day and night at the city gate so they could murder him, but Saul was told about their plot. Oh, how the tables have turned. <laughs> right. Ooh, be careful. Be careful. But there should be a change, right? People should be a little shocked about our change. They should be like, well, isn't this the same person that? <laughs> if they're not doing that, there may be a problem. There may be an area we have to grow in. Um, because they were like, this kid can't be the same guy. That's what Jesus does to our lives when we have an encounter with Jesus. And there will be persecution. Everyone who wants to live a godly life will be persecuted. That's what the scriptures say. And that persecution often comes because of that change. Because it makes others feel uncomfortable. So, um, the holidays are coming up. You get around friends and family. And if you've really changed, there may be some persecution. And sometimes it's persecution for people you may not really expect. Because you would think that the religious people would be really happy for you. The other Christians should be happy. And sometimes they're not. Um, sometimes they're fearful of, your, they're fearful just because of the change. They're like, man, maybe they didn't change like that. And they're like, whoa, is this a cult or something? Why are you acting like this now? And so be, just be ready for that because that's what should happen, you know? Um, uh, and so this is the change that, that it talks about in, in repentance. And, and we'll look through this scripture real quick in Acts 26, 17. In um, the second part of verse 17, yes, I am sending you to the Gentiles to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. Like I said, there's, there, there's got to be a, a turn, right? They will receive forgiveness of, of their sins and be given a place among God's people. Like the things we say up here is for a reason. It's, it's scriptural. Who are set apart by faith in me. And so King Agrippa, he's talking to the king. Remember, Jesus told him, you'll be able to, you're to go preach to kings. Here he's preaching to the king. I obeyed that vision from heaven. I preached first to those in Damascus, then in Jerusalem and throughout all Judea and also to the Gentiles that all must repent of their sins and turn to God and prove they have changed by the good deeds they do. So you don't have to, be perfect to get baptized. Like the repentance this is talking about initially is this turning away from Satan and to God. All of us have to be lost before we're saved. You can't always be a Christian. Nobody's saved from the time you come out the womb. All of us have to be lost first. When were you lost? Well, I grew up Christian. Okay. But all of us have to be forgiven. And so this is our initial repentance. Um, and everybody's journey is different. What that looks like for everybody is different. 
It doesn't mean that you have to come up with a list. Come up with a list of stuff that God puts on your heart is really good because you want to prove your repentance by your deeds. And there's some things that all of us like, man, I really need to change this. I really need to ask for forgiveness for this or whatever it may be. But guess what? We're going to be repenting for the rest of our lives. And we're going to keep growing for the rest of our lives. Okay? Um, After this initial repentance in which we turn to God, we will continue to repent. Um, and, And so... We're going to keep growing until we see Jesus face to face, right? So, so, fall, so to close things out, Saul finds out that folks had a hit out on him. And what happens next? We'll read this here. We'll close out. Acts chapter 9, verse 25. So during the night, some of the other believers lowered him in a large basket through an opening in the city wall. Put a grown man in the basket. I, you just just think about it, like when you read this stuff, like went for a little ride. When Saul arrived in Jerusalem, he tried to meet with the believers, but they were all afraid of him. You think you had some church hurt? They did not believe he had truly become a believer. Then Barnabas brought him to the apostles and told them how Saul had seen the Lord on the way to Damascus and how the Lord had spoken to Saul. He also told them that Saul had preached boldly in the name of Jesus in Damascus. So Saul stayed with the apostles and went all around Jerusalem with them, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. He debated with some Greek-speaking Jews, but they tried to murder him. So when the believers heard about this, they took him down to Caesarea and sent him away to Tarsus' hometown. Go on home, brother. Take a little break. Go on home. We need you for the long haul. The church then had peace throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria, and it became stronger as the believers lived in the fear of the Lord. And with the encouragement of the Holy Spirit, it also grew in numbers. The last thing I want to say is this. As much as we need people like Ananias, we also need people like Barnabas. We need people that will vouch for our new Christians. We need people that will have their backs, not condemn them. People that will be patient with them. People that will bring them to other Christians and say, hey, he's a good dude. He's trying to do us right. She, she just became a Christian. She's still working some stuff out. But I think you may be able to help her because I know your experience. As much as we need Ananias, we need Barnabases. Brothers and sisters, I want to encourage all of us, if you're a member of this church, to be a Barnabas, a big brother, a big sister to our new Christians. Okay, the ministers can't, we, we can't take care of everybody. We just can't. This is meant to be one another. And that's why we have those, that journey series in small groups. The people in your journey series should stay in there with you as you get baptized and continue to grow. Okay, now hopefully there's an Ananias in that group and there's Barnabases, Barnabases in that group as well. It says Saul stayed with the apostles and went all around Jerusalem with them. He didn't just go out preaching on his own. Just to, he, like, I want to hang out with y'all. I want to learn from you. You have been with Jesus. Young Christians, new Christians, are you showing that initiative? Are you saying, I want to go to your house. I want to have dinner with you. Invite yourself. Okay? Invite yourself. We'll make it work. Okay? Maybe a little hesitant sometimes, but we're here to help. Right? Show that initiative. Walk with somebody. Make it your ambition to walk with older Christians. 
There's so much to learn. And we have some amazing, amazing older brothers and sisters in the Lord. College students, I am so proud of you all. You all. I'm, I see y'all cheesing back there too, ready to give out. That's college students in the back serving. Cheesing. But this is why you all initiate. <laughs> I've never, I've, I've done college ministry for 20 years. I've never had students that initiate as much as these students do to grow in their relationship with God. It is so faith building to see, making time to learn and to grow. They often want more time than we are, than we have, right? And so that's special. Uh, that's why we need others, more brothers and sisters to jump in there with us. Um, but it's, it's important. So, you know, just to wrap things up, as I mentioned before in the beginning, I hope all of us are able to see ourselves in this story, right? But most importantly, I hope that all of us were able to see God today as we got into the scriptures. Uh, this time, we're going to go ahead and take communion where we celebrate uh, Jesus, his death, burial, and resurrection. Uh, let's go ahead and pray. Father, we thank you for who you are. Uh, thank you for your son, Jesus. Thank you that he is the word and that you allow us to learn from you. God, thank you for making it clear, your plan of salvation clear, um, that we can be confident in our salvation. Thank you that we can call you out and say, according to your word, I did this. I believe this. Thank you that there's an objective truth that you have given us. Lord, and I pray for all of us who are thinking about our next step in our own spiritual journey, uh, thinking about getting baptized, being saved, making a commitment to follow Jesus. I just pray for them, Lord. Um, I pray for anybody who is maybe wanting to be restored. Uh, all of us who need to repent, uh, forgive us of our sin, God. Um, help us to become more like Jesus. Thank you for um, him dying on the cross, this, this bread that represents the body that was broken for our sin, the juice that represents the, uh, the blood that was shed on the cross for us. We, we thank you. Wouldn't be here today without it. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. New sermons are uploaded each Monday morning. Simply search The Path Church Atlanta in iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcasting service. Additionally, we greatly appreciate your feedback on iTunes. If you would like to learn more about The Path, we encourage you to visit www.thepath.church. We hope to fellowship with you soon.